This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? Girl, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, we still in this uh, pandemic, okay? That's what's still happening Ooh. right now. Still happening. It's still happening. And it's it's going to be happening. Just, just real talk. So... I don't know. I'm trying to readjust. I read this article about mental fog. And so like I've been Mm, dealing mm -hmm. with like what it means to have my brain working more slowly. So that's just where I am today. How about you? How are you today? You know, I'm still in the land of pandemics and um, and shenanigans. Shenanigans abound. I mean, clearly, (laughs) clearly they don't stop. The party doesn't stop. (laughs) <laughs> shenanigans about but we're still here to testify so hey uh i'm just counting my blessings man naming them one by one so yes it is a coping method so important hey naming them one by one so abby i am grateful to be at the table with you absolutely am is not here so what does that mean see oh what we have episode a, we it? have a guest today and, and indeed, do we have a guest today? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, that means that this is a Black Girl Magic episode. Of course. <laughs> Cue the charms. Cue the charms. So y'all know we never leave y'all without. Uh, so M.A. here. But that means we have a special guest, a Black Girl Magic guest. And we have Christia Donaldson at the table with us. Christia, hey girl, how you doing? Hi ladies, hi C, hi Kamini. <laughs> hey. Thank you for joining us at the table. Um, just in case y'all don't know, because see, I, I didn't know how we were going to title this episode. I wasn't supposed, I didn't know if we were supposed to lead with TGIN or Christia, I wasn't sure. So I was like, just in case y'all don't know who mm-hmm. this is. Let me put y'all up on game. Hold on, okay? Uh, Christia Donaldson is the founder and chief executive officer of Thank God It's Natural, T-G-I-N, a manufacturer of natural hair, uh, hair care, and skin care products, okay? Currently sold in Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Sally's Beauty, and Walgreens. In her role, she oversees all aspects of day-to-day operations, sales, and strategic partnerships. Christia has been featured in major media publications such as USA Today, Marie Claire, Essence, Black Enterprise, Ebony, Heart and Soul, and the Chicago Tribune. Her book, Thank God I'm Natural, The Ultimate Guide to Caring for Natural Hair, is number one Amazon bestseller and was hailed the natural hair bible by essence magazine that ain't no small thing y'all 
Prior to starting her own company, Christia represented Fortune 500 companies and complex business transactions involving technology and open source code. Christia earned her A.B. in economics from Harvard University with high honors and is a graduate of Harvard Law School. In 2015, Christia was diagnosed with breast cancer. During her treatment, she learned that having money could make the difference between living and dying when it came to treating Mm. this condition. In her observation, few organizations existed that provided support and social services to help help women with transportation, childcare, parking, or seeking disability leave from their placement of from their place of employment. Today, she uses her success in the beauty space to advocate for women experiencing financial difficulties who are undergoing treatment to highlight health disparities due to race and socioeconomic factors and to empower women to listen to their bodies through the TGIN Foundation. So check out Christia's new book called This Is Only a Test: What Breast Cancer Taught Me About Faith love, hair, and business. Welcome to the table, Christia Donaldson. Ladies, I'm so excited to be here. I love what you guys are doing (laughs) and that, you know, that there's a spiritual bent to this because I'm just excited. So yes, (laughs) yes, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, we we are happy to have you here, truly, really, and truly. Like we are, we one of our first episodes in season mm-hmm. was was crowns of glory. See, you remember that? Yeah, and we we're talking sure. about our natural hair and what it meant to us. So to have you at the table is just like really an honor. Mm-hmm. It, it is full circle, and I know our sisters at the table got some TGIM TGIM products with them right now. They probably twisting their hair too when they <laughs> listen to this episode with your products. So. <laughs> So we are happy to have you at the table, Christia. Can you talk to us about uh, just your faith journey, how you came to faith um, in the Lord and and just, uh, yeah, and just, just how you how you arrived um, at faith and how that's impacted your own life now? Well, it's been an evolution and it's been a journey, um, if you will. So I grew up in the church and I know that means different things for different people, mm-hmm. but I grew up in the church, African Methodist Episcopal. Um, church and I went to church with my family pretty much every mm-hmm. Sunday, if you will. But I never view myself as a church girl. I just thought all black people, for the most part, went to church. And I thought there was kind of like the people right. were like super hard Christians mm-hmm. that were like they was there like five days a week and like revival. And then there was us. So I knew like <laughs> I came from a faith family, but it wasn't like. And I saw myself as a Christian, but I didn't see myself as this like die hard Christian. I just thought it was like, this is what black people do. And so of course, you know, you know, I grew up in the church. Um, I talk about this in my book. My mom died when I was 17, like literally right around this time when I was just graduating from high school back in 1996. And literally it was 60 days through my, before my freshman year of college at Harvard. And even though I was a Christian Sometimes it takes the world or life knocking you on your butt to really know what God is capable of and how he can move in your life and what it really means to be a woman of faith. And so I was still like a baby Christian, if you will. Like I was, you know, a Christian because that's how my parents raised me or what have you. But when I got to Harvard, I went to church still, continued this tradition going to church every Sunday. I didn't have a car, so I would take the bus or ride my bike, which sounds crazy at this point. Literally, I ride my bike a couple miles to church, if you will, for almost seven years. And then I finally got a car or whatever at some point when I went to law school. But like my mom was my first major challenge. And so then I felt like 
Mm. When I look back on it, and even when I was going through it, I knew God was watching over me, but it wasn't like this relationship that I have as Mm -hmm. a 40-year-old woman. It was more like, I felt like I was being protected and I was being covered and it was amazing everything that I was able to accomplish while I was in school, but it wasn't this two-way relationship. It was like, I exist and God saved me from like a nervous breakdown Mm. and the sense that my mom died before I, you know, entered this pressure cooker where everyone's competitive and people are dropping God around me left and right. But like I said, he protected me. Mm -hmm. And I think I had a situation like on my first job when I graduated from Harvard. And I tell people, this was kind of the job that planted the seed for the company. Thank God it's natural, which was basically when I graduated from law school, I went to work at this very prestigious law firm. And I had to figure out how to wear my hair because I had just went natural. And back then going into a law firm or corporate America in the early 2000s with a teeny weeny Afro or braids was just not the move. Right. So anyway, I wore a wig thinking if I looked good or whatever, the definition of good by, you know, other people's mm-hmm. standards, it would mm-hmm. give me more opportunities. Long right. story short, I almost get fired from that job like a year after being there. I had just bought a condo, put down roots in Chicago. I was scared as hell. And it was like, right. I was in a profession where you have a lot of explaining to do when you go on the job market a year after starting somewhere. It wasn't the way yeah. millennials have it today where they could be like, I'm going to do this job six months and this one eight right. months, whatever. <laughs> anyway, right, right. That yeah. was the situation where I was really on my knees, um, right. really getting to know God, not just in a, he covered me kind of way, but like, mm-hmm. God, I need you to get me out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like my second major issue, if you will. Then life mm-hmm. kind of continues things. I get my job and then this company happens. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the beginning of TGIN happens. It starts kind of, you know, getting a little bit of legs because my desire to create the company was born out of that experience. And it was literally just a place in my journey where I was just trusting God because there were a lot of things along the way. And we could talk about that if that comes up where my mm-hmm. intuition came into play. God came into play where I'm building this company and I'm working this full-time job. The company starts taking off. I get breast cancer. Again, another major, major, major setback. And once again, this relationship is developing, but it's a different type of relationship. It's not a, God, can you get me out of this? It's a, God, I trust Mm. that you know what you're doing. Mm. And when you get me out of this, surrender. Mm. When you get Mm. me out of this, use Mm. me for your glory type of situation. Mm. And so... That was in 2015. I've had some challenges here and there, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the last five years with respect to that. Mm-hmm. But they have tested my faith. My doctors have tested my faith. My health has tested my faith. But mm-hmm. it's taught me from a religious standpoint, he who promises is faithful. Hold fast to your confession. And it's like I literally have been to hell and back from a health mm-hmm. standpoint Doctors look at my medical history. They're like, how do you look the way you do? Because this don't make no dang on sense. Literally. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. now when you talk about the journey, it's literally like, I ain't scared. God's got this. I'm going to let him use me. And I need to get in the word. Because I was in the word like a baby in a juvenile before. But the more (laughs) I get in the word, the word is like, you know, basically keep my word in your heart. 
you know, keep your eyes on my word. It will be life for you and healing to your flesh. Mm-hmm. So I stay in the word. I stay prayed up. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm talking to God. I get out the bed. I'm talking to God throughout the day. I'm praying. Like I keep my gospel music on because what I realize is when you are on a trajectory and I don't know where in life that is, but for me, particularly from a business space, when you're on a trajectory that is one of success, or one of helping people, one of using your platform to glorify God, the enemy likes to come in and attack. And now that I have that realization as a grown woman, and I'm not saying I'm grown in Christ, but now that I've read Revelation, I realize studying the word, getting mm. your word, having your gospel going, looking at the YouTube videos, like, Like you have to cover yourself in the oil and be deep in the word because literally the devil is a liar. And so that is a long way of answering. Oh my God, my faith journey. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I needed every bit of that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for going. We needed oh no, no, we needed every we needed every valley. We needed every mountain. We needed we needed every twist and turn. Yes. So I appreciate you so much for that story. I, you know, you you mentioned just just briefly about um, kind of where you were by the time that you got to college and the way that the Lord was dealing with you there. Um, and you were at Harvard. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe your academic journey? That's that stood out to me um, and how and kind of where you are now. So that the starting of your academic interest, your academic journey. And how that's led to where you are now professionally? Interesting question. So, for academically, when I was there, um, I wasn't like an amazing straight A student. I got good grades. I graduated cum laude um, from mm-hmm. undergrad, and then I got into Harvard Law School. So clearly, I guess I was doing something. Um, but while I was there, I started to realize more that like the grades weren't really what mattered. It was like like relationships that mattered. Like this experience. Like was I was there to meet people and learn right. about like people in power type of thing because a lot of the kids that were there, their parents were like very powerful or very successful. My mom was successful, my dad was successful, but this was like a whole nother level, a whole nother world. So in any event, I ended up going to law school because back then I tell people entrepreneurship was not something mm. that kids did the way they do it today. Because it was all about working for a big company with a fancy name that, you know, impressed people when you're like, oh, I work at IBM or, oh, I work at Ford or whatever it was or Goldman Sachs or McKinsey or things of that nature. So anyway, I ended up in my entrepreneurship somewhat by a fluke. But if we're going to talk about faith, you know, they say God preordains what you are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that, like I said, those obstacles along the way where I ended up at that law firm going through this little hair crisis, if you will, like that was all very intentional when you look back on it. And back then I tell people I was in a situation was like very David and Goliath, like when I was setting out to start a hair care company in 2000 or like, you know, working on this journey, when you look back at this 2003, you could not think in your mind as a black woman, you could like take on dark and lovely or, you know, Pantene or herbal essence or soft sheen Carson or any of these black mm-hmm. brands or lustrous pink oil lotion. And that you would one day like either be replacing them on the shelf wow. or like, you know, fighting with them for shelf space. And so that seed, I don't, it was planted, but I didn't think like, 
I didn't know that was my purpose. I came into my purpose. Um, like I said, with that experience with the law firm, I wrote my first book. It took me around the country to different, you know, bookstores, farmers markets, churches, you know, hair shows. And along the way, I met these women who were like, when are you coming out with the products? Well, I was not a chemist and I did not have any background in the hair industry and I had no connection mm. to the hair industry. Again, I, I doubted myself, but I stepped out on faith and I said, God, if this is what you want, if you think this is what I can do, then give me the skills to do it. And he did. And that's when you look back on these situations, you're like, I know it wasn't me. And so mm. I start the line, working this full-time job mm-hmm. and building this company and we get a call from Target if you will. And that wasn't by luck. We had worked a lot online, building up our online, get a call from Target, inviting us to kind of like submit our products to be considered. We submit them to be considered. Um, They do well. And like I tell people, 2015 was the best year of my life and the worst year of my life because I was Mm. launching a Target on March 1st, diagnosed Mm. with breast cancer on December 15, nine months later. And the Mm. following year when I undergo treatment, I uh, have chemotherapy, a lumpectomy. Uh, my eggs are frozen, radiation. And in the year where mm. I take a break from TGIN and a leave of absence from my day job, the company sales double and the number of stores we get into quadruple. And so that message, yeah. again, mm. gave a powerful wow. message to me that God had his hand on his business. He, sh- he used that as mm. an opportunity to show me that not that he didn't need me that, but he could do it without me and that his will was greater than mine. And so Mm. it's funny because as the company has continued to grow and pick up steam, you look at like, Hey, I want to grow and double to this size, which is a very large size. Like I want to hit this number. And you realize the only way you can get there as a black girl from Detroit, you know, who started as a black girl Mm -hmm. from Detroit and be in all these stores and hidden like, you know, being an eight-figure company or even a nine-figure company one day mm-hmm. is with the power of God because you've got to hire the right people. You've got to yeah. take the right risk. You've got to make the right bets. And you just have to realize, yeah, I went to Harvard twice, but I ain't this smart. Like, I ain't this talented. <laughs> so I think it comes back to what C said about surrender. Even mm. when we're going over our financials for this month, it's funny, I go over our financials for this month. So we're in a dang on pandemic. Look mm. at our um, financials for the month. And oh, our, you know, our partners are closed. Two of our partners are closed. Ulta's closed, Sally's closed. Target mm. and Walmart is business as usual. Online yeah. is jumping. And this has been our best month, not mm. only this year, but year to like in the history of the company financially. Wow. So the point is, wow. when you see those things, you're like, you know what? These are for your these are for your glory. Like this is my testimony, mm. um, if you will. And so that is how my academic journey mm. led me to entrepreneurship, which led me to the seat on this show, talking to two women of God <laughs> that are doing amazing things. Oh, wow, Christia, thank you for taking us just through the journey. My goodness, like the highs of the highs, right? And the lows of the lows. It was the best of times and the worst of times, oh, right? Yeah. It's how you describe, you know, yeah. 2015 for you. Yeah. Um, my goodness. I just, I'm really floored just by your story and your testimony. And so I just want us to take a quick break right now. Um, and then when we come back from the break, Christia will still be with us at the table and we're going to dive into her book just a bit. I just want to talk to 
a little something about her book. So do not get up from the table. Actually, you could get up from the table, get you, you know, get your coconut oil, get your TGIN, get your tea, and then come right back <laughs> so we can hear more from Castilla just about her own journey and her story. We'll be back. Here at Truth's Table, we've made a subversive and even explicit defense of the faith and the gospel against the question that many of our peers have about whether Christianity is the white man's religion. And now there is a new book out by Dr. Antipas L. Harris entitled, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? How the Bible is Good News for People of Color. Among young people of color, there is a growing wariness about organized religion and Christianity in particular. They're looking for a faith that makes sense for the world they see around them. The question that arises, is evangelical Christianity good news for everyone or a tool of white supremacy? In his new book, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? Antipas L. Harris, a theologian and community activist, responds to young Americans who struggle with the perception that Christianity is detached from matters of justice, identity, and culture. He affirms that ethnic diversity has played a powerful role in the formation of the Old and New Testaments and that the Bible is a book of justice promoting equality for all. Author Antipas L. Harris is the president and dean of Jake's Divinity School, founded by Bishop T.D. Jakes, and serves on the pastoral staff at the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. And just for our sisters at the table, and for the brothers in the standing room section, Truth Table listeners can save 40% off of Is Christianity the White Man's Religion by Dr. Antipas L. Harris when you order at ivypress.com using promo code code TRUTH20. The offer expires on September 30th. That's promo code TRUTH20 when you order Is Christianity the White Man's Religion at ivypress.com. Don't forget to tell them Truth Table sent to you by using the code TRUTH20. And we are back at the table with our sister, Christia Donaldson. Christia, thank you so much for just the ways that you've just been really transparent and just about your story and your journey and um, all the things that you've been through. Uh, I am, I was particularly, when I was reading your book, just uh, taken aback by just the uh, authenticity. You know, in your book, I really felt like you were just letting us in to your journey. Like even in the first chapter, you start with Bali within and your cancer diagnosis and and just the need for you to, you know, um, to just stop. Right. To get off the get off the rat race for a minute and take some time for yourself. Um, and uh, as I was reading your book, I, I was really struck by a passage or a, I should say a, a portion of your book in um the uh, chapter under pressure is a chapter. It is page 101 to 102. So I'm going to read an excerpt and just ask you to talk about it, um, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, what you said here was um, part of the reason I'm writing this book is because people always like to celebrate what I have accomplished. But clearly, I'm successful because I'm dealing with something much bigger than the book you're reading. 
I left a trail of neglected people and unresolved situations because I was so committed to running this race, burying the pain of losing my mom and avoiding the trauma of her Mm. death, um, avoiding the trauma her death caused. I've learned that it's so important to nurture your relationships along the path to wherever you are going and deal with your issues because they have a way of manifesting themselves in your mind, body and spirit. In my case, the unresolved trauma of losing my mom in 1996 caused me to develop an addiction to work, which manifested itself into a cancer diagnosis 20 years later. So this was from the book chapter Under Pressure, pages 101 to 102. And Christia, can you just talk to us, if you could unpack that a little bit more about um, what it meant, like when you were talking about how you had the singular focus and you were just running this race, if you could just talk to us about that and just the unresolved trauma from your mother's death. I think that would be helpful for our sisters. Absolutely. So it's the kind of thing, um, like I said, I lost my mom very early at 17. I mean, I know there are people who've lost their mom at five or 10, but I still consider 17 to be very early. And there was so much in life. And I was not aware of this until honestly, within the last two years or so, or like writing this book, if you will, that there was so much I had to teach myself as a woman, so much that I had to figure out on my own. And so much about my mom that I missed, um, but I never gave myself the opportunity to really grieve. Like I literally, my mom died. 60 days later, I was at Harvard. I was crying like every day for those 60 days. I talk about that in the book. Like it's a pain that you can't ever imagine losing someone who like gives birth to you, if you will. Mm. And then to be thrust into this environment where there, there's support, but like now it's time to perform. It's literally showtime. Like it's time to get all right. A's again. Like no time for tears, if you right. will. And I think, you know, black women, especially no matter what we go through, it's often time to kind of put those tears behind and kind of move on and rise to the occasion. And even historically, like my grandmother, I love her to death. Mm-hmm. She's no longer with us. But like when I tell people, my grandmother was like, look, you got to cut these tears out and all this crying. Like the best thing you could do is to make your mom proud. And when I say that a lot of women are like, Oh my God, my grandmother told me the same thing when I lost my mom or you know, my mom told me some version of this when X experience happened. So any event, if that became my reference point for coping at 17 over the next 20 something years, whenever I encountered any type of pain or obstacle, or never really dealing with the fact that I had lost my mom. Um, it was like always, well, let me rise to the occasion. Let me work hard. Let me accomplish something. Like, let me drown myself in my work. Like, I did not realize that my work was a drug, that I was actively busy and swamped by choice. And I didn't realize how stressed I was. Like, I, I, you know, I was like, I ain't doing drugs. I mean, I was kicking in and partying, but I'm like, I don't have these other vices but I didn't consider work a vice. And so that's kind of where I ended up. And it manifested in my body because like I said, all of that unreleased emotion, all of that unreleased tension, like all of that fear. Um, and I, when I say fear, fear of like being like, and I don't know if people out there can relate to this, but sometimes you're like, if I let go this one time, this may be the end of me. Like, I think mm. I, you, you could be so scared that like, if you just like, release 
like emotions, whether it's grief or child abuse or a divorce, like you're like, they may have to put me like in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. Like if I like break down this one time, I think it's the fear of being like, exactly. Like I won't be able to put myself back together. And I think Mm -hmm. that was kind of where I was for a very long time. And then breast cancer was one of those moments that broke me and Mm -hmm. like, where I like literally like broke me where I had one of those breakdowns. And when I, um, broke down. It was like a good thing because I did put myself back together. And I think it was like that moment when I broke down, it was like, I may put myself back together. I'd be a little broken, but it's not like the end of me. And mm. yeah, that was my journey. Like I went to therapy before, after doing over the years, you know, prior to breast cancer, after breast cancer. But I think it really took me just being like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to like have like beyond an ugly cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be sad. And that's just part of life. It does not mean like, like your life is over if you release those emotions. Mm. And when I finally got to a place where I was comfortable with that, I think a certain level of healing began to happen for me, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. So helpful. So helpful. When you were describing that, Christia, I was thinking to myself about, you know, basically this image of a cracked vase, feeling like it can't take any more pressure, or it, it will shatter, it will fall apart, and mm-hmm. um, using work as this as this glue. You know, speak to some of our, some of our listeners right now who I think um, will will deeply relate to what you just shared on some level or another. What are some of the what are some of the signs when you look back kind of retrospectively, what were some of the signs that you were using work um, as, as a numbing agent, as a, as a temporary glue to hold it together and, and what might they need to look for? Well, it's funny because this applies to a lot of my girlfriends because I think it really starts with when you're too busy to give yourself 10 minutes a day to meditate or you know, just to slow down. So if your day starts with like you being off to the races, that's like a telltale sign there that like you're too busy. Meaning like if you wake up and you're on the go from when you wake up to like when you crash in the bed, that is a telltale sign. Also, I think um, because you have the reason why it's a telltale sign is one, you're too busy. Two, you're not slowing down or giving yourself enough time to actually listen to your body and what mm. messages it's trying to convey to you, as well as your intuition, as well as your subconscious. Like mm. the only way these messages get through to us is when we're quiet or when mm-hmm. we're still. Like those messages, like, like to even know that work is a problem for you, like you have to be still enough for your body, your mind, mm. your subconscious to be able to communicate that something mm. is off. I think another thing or way mm-hmm. when I look at some of my girlfriends, where it's like, I feel young. I feel like, oh my gosh, like a 20 something, but like I'm 40. But when I talk to my girlfriends and they start having like random, like health problems, like, like random, like I ended up in the the hospital because of a chest pain or like Mm. these random conditions Mm. that did not happen to us in our twenties and thirties, where it's like, you know, you randomly end up in the hospital because you're short of breath or you randomly, Mm. you know, you're, you randomly experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. Like, some of us experience these things and we, even though they're big deals, we try to normalize them and mm-hmm. they're not normal for people who are like kind of healthy and like, 
you know, operating at a normal pace and maintaining. Also, I think, you know, another, another signal is, especially for overachievers and even maybe for some of the underachievers, is this constant fear that they're not catching up to things like mm-hmm. oh, to own that yes, in the old yes. days i used to always feel like i'm behind i have to work mm-hmm. on saturdays i have to work on sundays i have to work late because i'm so behind i had this like constant i was in this constant panic mode but it wasn't like mm-hmm. like i wasn't like like outwardly panicking inwardly i was probably panicking outwardly mm-hmm. i looked like i had a very calm and cool demeanor but i always had this belief that I was behind the eight ball. And I think mm. that's something, even if you're not quiet, that's something, even if your body, like I said, if you're not in touch mm-hmm. with your body or your subconscious, that's something, if you have that feeling of constantly feeling like you're behind, something's totally off. Mm. Helpful. Yeah, thank you so much for those. Yeah, that's helpful. I think some really practical ways um, for the sisters at the table to identify, like, uh, am I struggling with workaholism and what does that look like? Um, I'm curious, uh, um, Christy, if you could just uh, talk to our sisters at the table just even, and I know everybody's um, experience of cancer is different, but I'm curious about if you can talk to our sisters and tell them um, what precipitated like your own discovery or how did you, how did you come to... Um, uh, I guess even see the doctor to know and get the diagnosis that you even had breast cancer. Cause at 37, I believe, um, according to the book is when you were diagnosed in, I mean, I know that must've been very shocking and I'm wondering, was there any pain? There's, was there something that sent you to the doctor to get that diagnosis? How did that come about? Absolutely. So literally just in the shower, um, one day mm-hmm. and I felt a lump and over the years, like everyone's breasts are different. Like I had felt lumps before, like maybe in my twenties. And one time I had them removed or like, yeah, one time I had them removed and it was like nothing. It was like a benign cyst. So, you know, I experienced this lump in like July and it would come and go. It was like July, August. It would come and go, come and go. Um, And I just thought it was hormonal or something tied to my period. It wasn't something that I really like made this like big to do about, but it suddenly started getting bigger, um, if you will. And it, it didn't seem like it was going away. And thanks to one of my girlfriends, she made it a point around like October. We went to her birthday, um, you know, like it was like a 35th birthday or something in Palm Springs. She really urged me to go to the doctor and get it checked out. She was like, and I was like, well, I can't get an appointment for like three weeks. So this kind of puts us to November. She's like, well, tell them what's going on with this lump. And they'll try to get you in right away. And so that was Mm. the case. And so that was how I discovered it. And once I got in, I got a mammogram of three weeks later. And um, that was when they kind of developed something suspicious. And then I got a biopsy and it confirmed that I had breast cancer. Um, So that was kind of the journey, if you will. Now, how long it had been there, it's funny because even when I was evaluating my options the following year in January of 2016, my dad would go to the doctor with me and he would be like, okay, when are we going to deal with this? Meaning to the doctor, like, like, when are we going to figure out, like, what are we doing? Is it a lumpectomy, a mastectomy, like chemo? Like, because from the time of diet, say I discovered the lump in July, but I didn't start chemotherapy to the following March. And so for the ladies that know, you will definitely want to be seen soon as possible but some types of breast cancer grow slower than others. And I had a slow growing breast cancer that was very responsive to 
hormonal treatment, which is good. Mm. So that was why there was such a big gap. Um, but yeah, that's just something to also think about. So when my doctor, my dad asked, when are we going to get the show on the road? The doctor was like, this has probably been here for years. Like, and so, mm. especially based on the pathology, meaning like the slow growing type, she's probably like, this has probably been here for years. And then it finally one day manifested as a lump. But it can become like itching, redness, discharge from the nipple, dimpling in the breast, blood discharge, pain. Those are other symptoms to look for. But like anytime you notice anything like that, you want to get into your doctor right away because the sooner you go, the definitely more options you have. So helpful. So helpful. So practical and so empathetic at the same time. I just enjoy um, listening to you share with us and really you are, you're ministering to us, whether you realize that or not. Um, you know, I was curious about, (laughs) yeah, I was, you know, so, uh, E and I joke a lot about, uh, as well as with Michelle about how, um, this pandemic has really changed people's perspectives. I mean, it's changed people's prayer life. You know, what you were praying about Mm. two months ago is different than maybe what you're praying about now. And, you know, I would, I would imagine Mm. Christia, that there's a lot of ways that your journey, um, has, has caused you to see your priorities differently. Could you, maybe could you Mm. share that with us, maybe how you looked at things pre-cancer and now post-cancer? Absolutely. Mm. I think pre-cancer, I was all about work, you know, success, accomplishment, checking these boxes. And also, even though I trusted God, I was very much like, especially for your 30-year-old listeners and your 20-year-old listeners who want to find a husband, have kids, you know, buy that first house. I very much felt like I was on this, mm-hmm. you know, in this race or whatever. That I had to check these certain boxes by a certain date or things would not happen for me. So I kind mm-hmm. of felt that way. Like I trusted God, but I kind of have my, have my hand in the pie or my hand on the steering wheel and that I had to play my part too. And I think after cancer, I learned to let go a lot more and begin to focus less on business, like in terms of like the success and more about how it was a platform, like I said, to glorify him, meaning God, and also beginning to trust more that what was meant for me was going to be for me. Now, my, I think my life changed again. I think, like you said, all of our lives changed again with Corona because, you know, it's the kind of thing pre-corona, you know, I've had my share of challenges health-wise or whatever, but mm. pre-corona, that was the situation. Post-corona, it's like, oh my gosh, people are like alive one day, perfectly healthy, avid skier and cyclist, three kids and a wife dead two weeks later. And you're like, wait, mm. I'm still right. here. Like, what right. is going on? Like, like when you mm-hmm. see the number of deaths, right. like, and it, you know, it started off like, okay, this is the old people disease. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we ain't got nothing to worry about. Then the young people start getting you know, like, okay. Then it was like, this is the white people disease. Cause the black folks say, then the black, then we start getting it. It was like, <laughs> okay, wait, Everybody. what? And it was just like, when you wake <laughs> up in the morning, you know, when you go to church, they'd be like, you know, give God, you know, like you praise, you woke up this morning. <laughs> right. That means something. That really that means, means something, something in 2020. Like, and for oh, the, we, yes. you know, I decree and declare that we will all survive this, but this will definitely be a watershed moment in our lives, five, 10, 20 years from now, where we look back on this time where we're like, oh my gosh, like people were like literally dying. I was locked in my house. Like, 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 and if not for the glory of God, 
I could have been any one of these people. Like, I think we have not seen that in our lifetimes where it's like, you may see it here and there where you're like, oh, that girl who went to jail for 25 years because she didn't like, you know, grow up in the right circumstances. That could have been me or that could have been me in that drive by shooting that random person who got shot, you know, you know, by a stray bullet. But this is like 53, 55,000 dot thousand people dying and mm, the number mm. keeps going you're like keeps going you're like what mm. <laughs> what you're like yes. by the grace of god i am here like yeah. literally yes you're right <laughs> you brought it you brought it seriously you brought it down to the ground level <laughs> it's like every day we thank god for life you know i was uh uh, just a little side note, but <laughs> in the same vein, uh, I was just thinking about the prayers that we pray about, uh, you know, thank God for dangerous uh, seen and unseen, right? We used to just kind of let it roll off our tongues, like, you know, as a church cliche, but I'm telling you, that prayer means a whole lot more now. That, that's uh, the thing. They all mean so. it did before. Like, those tongues. words and those prayers, like those we songs. were saying them mm-hmm. before Woo. and it was like, they were in our spirit, but like, sometimes you got to be so tested where you're like, Oh my gosh, no weapon like formed like like this stuff actually means something. <laughs> Literally. Like, right. oh my God. Yes. We ain't we are not they the old saints were not saying this stuff just to say it. Those scriptures don't say stuff just to say it. Right. It matters. It, it matters. Means it means it's something. True. It's real. Like, you know, so so yeah, thank you so much for just being honest about just how corona um has even changed your own perspective um, on, on your own life and, and how that's been impacting you. Um, I'm curious about uh, the TGIN Foundation. Can you talk to us about what that is and how it helps um, other women who have been in your similar circumstances with regard to health? Absolutely. So um, I founded it because, like I said, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was diagnosed at a safety net hospital, like a community, like a local community hospital that served predominantly uninsured and underinsured women. And when I was diagnosed, I was like, you know what? This isn't the nicest hospital and I kind of need my records so I could go to the hospital, you know, with the best care in the city, if not the state, if not like one of the top hospitals in the nation. And the sad thing about that hospital is like predominantly services white people, rich people, people Mm -hmm. who live in a certain area of Chicago. And I felt an extreme amount of guilt that you know, the black and brown women at that safety net hospital did not have the same opportunity to, to just pick up and bounce. And mm-hmm. I, a lot of people don't know this, but they think cancer plus cancer treatment equals survivorship. But that's not always true, which is mm-hmm. why, like in the city of Chicago, black women are 42 percent more likely to die of breast cancer. But that number drops to 19 percent in New York and zero percent in San Francisco because not because black women you know, are not taking care of themselves, but because of socioeconomic factors, like people don't realize to go to the hospital, you got to have a car, you got to have reliable transportation, you got to have a a job that lets you off of work, you got to have childcare, like all of these things matter. And all of these things come with a price tag. And other cities um, have done a better job of addressing some of these barriers to Mm -hmm. healthcare than Chicago. And so that's why I wanted to start the foundation, because I really wanted to shed a light on this issue. Like, People are dying just because, you know, they, some of them can't get to the dang on hospital. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, people don't realize when I went through cancer treatment, I was at the hospital probably a hundred times in a year, almost Mm -hmm. like parking was $12 a day. That's $1,200. 
just on parking. Take out your co-pays, take out the money you're losing, you know, on your job, take out the money you spend on childcare. Like, you know, going through cancer treatment is expensive. And so that's why I wanted people to know, like, this is a real issue. Black women in Chicago don't have to die because of this. Like, mm. um, so that's what we do. We raise awareness. Um, we work, we have our own breast navigator that helps women that we encounter at community events or online, um, directing them to places where they can get free mammograms. Um, and then, like we said, like, you know, health and um, wellness workshops to shed a light on kind of some of the issues around stress that we also believe, in addition to other factors, contribute to women, not only in this age group, mm. um, but in, you know, this racial group um, from, you know, being aware of their health risks. Mm. Wow. That is so helpful. You know, talking about, talking about cancer, talking about the pandemic, right. those things are, they're sobering. And yet we still were able to have this conversation with you, Christia, with a level of hope and even laughter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that is evidence of the spirit, <laughs> the spirit at work. And I'm grateful for it. We are going to switch gears to something that's even more, um, even more laughter rich. (laughs) (laughs) We love to conclude our, our, our black girl magic interviews with what we call forced fun over here. Forced fun. Forced Forced fun. fun. (laughs) We're going to have some fun right now. And we have a series of questions. It helps us to get a, get another snapshot of who you are. Are you, are you game for this game that we have? Christia? I'm ready ready? to play y'all. I stay ready. All right. All right. And and that is clearly obvious to us. You stay ready. (laughs) And I love it. Okay. Okay. E, are you first up with a question? What you got? Oh, oh, okay. You dropped the bomb on me. That's all right. You know what? Okay. So, um, you know, okay. So M actually added another question from the last, uh, from our last uh, Black Girl Magic uh, interview. So let me start off with that one because I remember it. Okay. So, uh, Christia, if you had a magic wand and could change anything, anything in the world, about yourself, whatever, a, a situation, what would you change? Only one thing. You got the magic wand. If you could just wave it and change something, what would you change? I would bring my mom back. Mm. Mm, mm. 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 I feel that. I feel that. Wow. 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 I yes, I understand that. And I don't know if I was telling Christina, I was telling her that um my um my father passed away at the same time frame of okay. your life uh, at, my, at mine as well. So I I understand that like right before going to college, all of that. So that is real. I would Anything you can do, right? Just even just have a conversation. Yes, with her, just a imagine, conversation. Right? Anything. Yep. But it's yep, like I'm saying it with a smile on my face. I'm not like, oh, I know. It's I like, know. oh, I know. I would it's love real. that. Like more than anything yeah. in this world, if I got one wish, I think that would be one of that. That would mm. be the wish. Mm. Yeah, to hear her voice. You know, yes. after after a while, you you miss their voice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have you have the pictures that you have or what you have, like you know. And so it's like, oh, if I could just have that again, and and you know what, you will by God's grace. Um, 
We'll be reunited, mm-hmm. re- reunited again. That's we'll see the, you on the other side. That's it. On the yeah, other yeah. side, we, that will happen. Um, hopefully, you know, you're living a long life. Absolutely. You know, but we will be. <laughs> we try to know, live. We try to live. We try to survive this pandemic. But, you know, um, but God willing, that you will, that will happen again. That's a promise. That's the promise that we have um, in Christ. So thank you for that very honest um, question. See, you're up next. Yeah. Whoa. Well, okay. So. Somebody's got to go, Christia. Somebody's, <laughs> oh, yes. Somebody's One gotta got go. to go. One got to go. One has to go. Is it Anita? Is it Shaka? Is it Whitney? Or is it Aretha? Shaka, Somebody. goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, oh, so oh, Goodbye. Not every woman? Not no, every woman? No. And the funny thing about this conversation is, y'all, I don't want to get emotional, but it's okay. like Whitney's dead, Prince is dead, Michael Jackson mm, is dead. It's mm, like mm, I don't even mm. know Whitney. She was not my cousin. <laughs> and she I like miss her. Like mm, I just you know, even though she had like the absolutely. greatest hits during like a certain time, they play them on um Pandora all the time on like 80s black R and B station. But it's like she was just like her voice was beautiful. She was a class act and she was so real, like at a certain point in her life, like she was kind of, you know, off her rocker for a little minute there at the end. But it was just like, like, what would this woman have been like if she had been around today? Like, ah, Whitney, I miss her too, Lord. Whitney, 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 that is is our cousin in our head. Yes. We miss her. You're I right. miss so, Whitney. I mean, I miss you. Whitney, Auntie Whitney, cousin Whitney, whatever. Come on, whatever. No, and, and when it, and when you know, honestly, when it comes to Whitney, I feel like a kind of a collective sense of survivor's guilt. I feel like we should have mm. gotten her. I feel like exactly. we need to go on a rescue mission. Like we right. let her down. Like we right. the collective, we let her right. down. So that mm. one is deep. That one's deep. I appreciate that. Mm. And I think yeah. of all the people that you named, so say like Anita had great music. Shaka, yeah, whatever, yeah. was her I am every woman. <laughs> and then Aretha was like a diva. But I felt like Whitney gave us the most, not only, like, they all were great singers, but Whitney gave us, like, she could really sing. And she mm-hmm. gave us her personality. Like, I feel like of all of them, she was the person that, like, we knew the most about. That's true. You're right. She, she was the most accessible. Yes. Oh, Vulnerable, yeah, sure. open, willing, I mean, right. real. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I even watched the reality show. But, you know, that's right. Yeah. Um, but, yes, yes. Yeah. But, okay. So, our next force fun question is, all right, all right. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to ask you. Okay, I'm going to ask you this one. Okay. <laughs> if we were to go in your car, which I'm sure you haven't been in your car for, I don't even know how long. <laughs> but <laughs> just pretend that we're not in um, Rona right now. And just pretend that you just drive your car every day and going around and do, doing what you used to do pre-Rona. Um, if we were to hop in your car, what will be playing in your car? What will we hear? What album? What song? What is playing in your car? Oh my God. So literally (laughs) it is a total mix. Like (laughs) from a gospel standpoint, I like Jonathan Nelson and I love the Clark sisters. And from a like rap standpoint, like you can always catch me listening to like Drake, Jay-Z, T.I. So it'd be like Uh some mixture between like, like Christian and trap music. It's like, I got, I got both going at the same time, if you will. 
There we go. There we go. I like it. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the diversity there. Well, I've got a final question for you. Um, so let's say you got a superpower. You know, um, I'm a Marvel fan. What <laughs> would that superpower be and why? Oh, that is a good one. Oh, <laughs> oh, goodness. I know. This is hard, especially as a black woman, because, you know, we, we say a lot with our faces. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That would be, I'm not saying I would want that superpower, but we say a whole lot with our faces. We do. I think my superpower, oh, my God, what would that be? I think, to be honest, this isn't that big of a superpower. I think I just want the ability, and I'm getting better at this as I get older, uh, to when you know you're dealing with a liar or know you're dealing with someone who's trying to finesse you or whatever, just to be like, you know what? I'm letting this go. Like the ability just to let, and I have that on my wall, let mm. stuff go. It says something else. But mm. the ability to just <laughs> yeah, let yeah, things yeah, yeah. go. As a, like, to just let things go and just be unfazed and just, you mm. know, walk my walk. Like, like I know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I know you lying mm-hmm. or I know you're trying to, like, just to let it go. Like, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Just to. Not even like in a cancel way. It's just, no, let it go. I'm just, yeah, all right. yeah. Like unfazed. unfazed. That would be my superpower. Unfazed. Like, yep. I'm just unfazed. Like, unfazed. Yep. That's good. Not, not bitter. Just, that's, it's, I unfazed. see you. That's yeah, it. I, exactly. Wow. I see Some you. Freedom. Basically, that on a whole another <laughs> level. <laughs> Mm-hmm. some freedom absolutely yeah 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 that's real good that is good well thank you so much christine you did great on force fun ladies that was so much fun i had a great time <laughs> so awesome <laughs> well you know what christine this is your time um at the table to talk to our sisters at the table and tell them how they can follow your work follow you on instagram yeah. and all, well i should say all the social medias and where they can buy your products and just and buy your book Talk Plug to yourself. Us. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So ladies at the table, thank you so much for listening mm-hmm. in today. You can follow me on Instagram at TGIN CEO or the company at TGI Natural. Products are available pretty much everywhere, but look for them at your local Ota, Target, or Walmart. And finally, the new book, This Is Only a Test, but Breast mm-hmm. Cancer Taught Me About Faith, Love, Hair, and Business is available on Amazon on Kindle, hardcover and paperback, and Audible. And don't think it's just a book about breast cancer. It's really about my entrepreneurial journey, being a black woman in this world. And breast cancer is kind of like, you know, the backstory about like when I made a decision to start being more mindful and practicing self-care. Yes, yes. And that's that's very true. You're right. The the breast cancer um, narrative is actually more so in the background. It's actually very, very, very honest. Um, I would say memoir. You think that's a fair description, would you say? I think so. Absolutely. I think so. I think so. Well, you know what, Christia, we are so honored that you, to have you at the table. I consider you a, a, a natural hair pioneer. You know, mm-hmm. you created the natural hair Bible, according to Essence. <laughs> um, and so we're, you know, that I means it was Essence. Hey. It's true. Hey. And so, right. <laughs> and so we're honored. It's, it's facts, straight up facts. Um, but we, we seriously, we're so honored to have you um, at the table with us. Thank you for joining us at the table. Uh, and of course, we want to thank our sisters at the table. Thank y'all for chilling with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about Black Girl Magic. 
Christia Donaldson. Um, hashtag Truce Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truce Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review mm-hmm. the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table has a Patreon account now, so you can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bill York, and we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>